and welcome to the Joy Podcast, where we get to shine a light on how global organizations are helping to get people back to work faster and with an exceptional experience. I'm Debbie Tool, Chief Joy Officer at Symphony Talent, and we are a global technology company for those that are not familiar with Symphony that is leading this industry-wide movement in partnership with our customers and our prospects and industry leaders alike. It is a journey that we are calling the Joy Pipeline, and we are so excited that you are joining us on this journey of yes. If this is your first time that you're joining us, you might be wondering, what is the Joy Pipeline? This is our mission um, to really help recruiting teams bring the joy back to the recruiting experience for candidates and recruiters alike. And we know that it is a mission that is really critical to deliver on excellence today. So this week, uh, we are coming to you from Detroit. And I am so excited to tell you that the guest that we've got joining us is one that I've been trying to get onto this show since episode one. He is a fellow Texan that has migrated his way north to Boston, just like I have. Um, And we have so much to share with you guys today. Welcome, Kyle Lagunas. He is the global head of talent attraction and sourcing. No, talent attraction and insights at GM. It is it is a mouthful, but uh, Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, and I am excited to be here. It is a mouthful of a title, but you know, I'm extra. It's, I always have been. <laughs> so there you so go. when they offered you to do the job, were you like, actually, could we just add a couple of little extra things onto this title for me? No, I actually wanted something simpler. I wanted to be the head of talent acquisition tra- or talent transformation. And he just like stared at me. He's like, what does that mean now? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, and this is what it actually means. So much better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And Kyle, I'm trying to think back. So we were probably introduced to each other about seven years ago, which is crazy. I think at the time you were on the analyst side of the business, you were working with Madeline and you were advising um, Smashfly, if I'm not mistaken. And these were in the early days when recruitment marketing was still being formed and you got to be front and center in helping advise companies like ours on what that meant to the market. Now, fast forward, here you are. On the practitioner side, really getting to implement and execute all of those strategies that you've been forming over the last decade, really. Um, and so we've got lots of insights. I, I look at it and I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm so excited for Kyle. You're really kind of this triple threat now. You've gotten the experience on the analyst side. Um, really advising organizations on what recruitment marketing is. You've got an experience on the vendor side, really helping in um, advising on the solutions to take to market. Now we've got the vendor or actually the practitioner side where you get to take all of those learnings and implement it. I'd love for you to talk to us a little bit about how those three experiences and different points of view have really influenced in the job that you get to do today. Oh my goodness. Um, it has been a journey. Um, in fact, I knew Smashfly when you were like beta. Um, I think that Chris Brablick showed me some pre-apply toolkits um, as a like a demo when I was just a baby blogger. Um, so it has been insane to watch um, this market, I mean, form, you know, and now seeing it mature. Um, 
as an analyst, you get to see a lot. Um, people want to talk to you about what they're working on from the vendor side, how they're innovating. Um, on the practitioner side, they want you to help them make heads and tails of this, the, the marketing pitches, the sales promises, and, and how they can like cut through and figure out what's, what to really do. Um, as an analyst, they all, no one tells you that they disagree with you. <laughs> Like, oh, that's interesting. That's that's good feedback. Or I hadn't thought of that when they're really saying, like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> that's uh, different than how I see it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I maybe I uh, look. It was it was a really enjoy. It was a really great on, uh, entry point into this ex- incredibly dynamic world of uh, talent acquisition and human resources. Um, again, because you're invited to sit down with pretty much anyone and everyone wants to show you what they're doing. They want your thoughts, which was really cool. It was, I mean, uh, a really quick ramp up, right. To, um, um, being considered an expert. Um, it was kind of, it was kind of interesting to be considered an expert in things like talent acquisition and, and recruiting technologies, having never recruited before, having never implemented a system before, having never owned delivery for anything, just being an ideas person. Um, and so I was very self-conscious about that going into the pre- the vendor side, almost immediately learned that my ideas were only as good as the like intangible value those ideas could bring. No one wanted to hear just what I had to say. They wanted to know what, what I could, my expertise could do for them. Um, and so it was, it was two years on that side, I would say were as, valuable from a learning experience as 10 years before as an analyst. Um, it was a, a real boot camp kind of thing. Now, of course, one of those two years was also during COVID. Um, and um, I was really surprised to find myself in a play a, a operating as um, almost like a, a lightning rod for our culture. <laughs> Um, it were really, I mean, we all know it was a really hard year last year. And especially the first three months going it like steering into lockdown, realizing that two weeks was two months, which might be the rest of the year. Um, and I think that was where I started to get more of a sense of who I could be and what kind of impact I could make, not as an ideas person, but as a strategist. Um, and as someone who cares, I, I just am a genuinely caring person. So looking now at this practitioner role, um, and I, I mean, I honestly wouldn't even consider myself a practitioner. Um, it's I tell them I have three three teams that report to me. I have our talent marketing team, our talent sourcing team, and our talent insights teams. And I tell every one of them, "You are my experts. I do not know how to do your job. I know the value and the purpose of your job. I know some of the obstacles that you encounter, both like process wise or culture wise or funding wise. And and my job is to unblock." and to enable you to succeed. In fact, I told them, uh, the team on my in my first week, I'm like, look, my job here is to make you successful. My goal is for this time next year, every one of you getting recruited for a bigger and better job. It's gonna make me very sad to see you go, but that's success for this role. Um, now getting over here though, um, gosh, I mean, right from my very first day, I, I started running uh, evaluations for um, CRM, career site, uh, AI capabilities. Um, and I, I think I took for granted, and many of us do, how l- little people know about um, this process. 
um, how little um, expertise with just the, the gap in expertise that exists in, in um, a lot of recruiting teams. Um, and I can't imagine, I mean, in, in my first eight weeks, we completed an evaluation uh, for global solutions. I cannot imagine any other org trying to do that without having someone that has this degree of expertise and experience. Um, so it it's, really yeah. kind of rounds out your knowledge base because as, you know, sitting on, on the side that you are now, you know what questions to ask the vendors yep. that maybe you wouldn't have if you hadn't been on that side. And you know how to structure the questions that you should ask and the types of evaluations that you should run because of the expertise you have coming from the other side. I, I hope so. I mean, look, the especially um, when you're an analyst, um, there is, and, and just a, a general influencer in the HR and recruiting space, there is a little saltiness about um, the people love to throw around this accusation of uh, accusation of being paid to play and, you know, just being a shill for any vendor, like that kind of thing. So I, I have spent uh, a decade having my integrity questioned, you know, <laughs> and, and really taking that to heart and saying, okay, well then let me create an evaluation that leaves no question as to the objectiveness of my analysis. You know, um, no one wants to think that they're, on the, especially on the vendor side, no one wants to be told their baby is ugly. Um, they're going to fight you tooth and nail to insist, no, no, my baby doesn't have brown eyes. It has blue eyes, even though you see <laughs> the brown eyes, you know, that kind of stuff. So on the now here, uh, I mean, I can run a meeting and no one can push, you know, me around. Um, I, I know at this, it's, it, I know I can lean into my expertise and experience having looked at the space for so long. But I also know how to partner because I've been on the vendor side and saw just how much practitioner teams struggle to achieve partnership. It was so weird from people to say, oh, I don't know if I'm actually able to answer that question. Like, yes, you are. Like, we're not like, what do you mean? Like, we're we're trying to solve a problem here together. I'm not going to go and tell the press this thing We're we're sitting down together. Um, so being able to have some really open conversations with some of our, our vendors and say, hey, I actually think this is our problem. Like this is on us. I, I don't want you to, to think that you have to address this in our next QBR. This is something that I think we're going to take care of. Like you guys just focus on this and I'll solve this. Like, you know what I mean? Being able to open up a bit and say, and share responsibility for solving the problems. I hope that that aspect of my vendor engagement is beneficial as much as knowing when someone's pulling uh, my leg or resisting someone's attempt to influence me in, in there for their own reasons. You know, it's, it, there is a positive, again, and a yang to the expertise. Yeah. And Kyle, that brings up such a great topic. We talk about partnership a lot. Um, Smashfly Symphony Talent has had a long legacy of our customers saying one of the reasons that they chose us, they stay with us is because of the partnership. And a lot of people that are listening today may mean like, what does partnership mean? And what I'm hearing you say is that when you go into a partnership with the vendor, which is what you want, you want openness, you want transparency. You want it to say, hey, look, everything may not be perfect, but let's work together to figure out what that solution is. Let's have a conversation around how do we work through this to get the greatest objective for both organizations. Would you agree that that's kind of what we mean when we talk about partnership with vendors? And is there anything you would add to that? Yeah. I mean, girl, we could talk literally all weekend about partnership. Um, 
it's look at it. And this is me just thinking off the top of my head, look at it like a marriage. Um, and it's about mutual understanding coming to know one another um, and recognizing the things that can and cannot be changed um, and coming to, to peace with it, you know, um, working with that. Um, it's about mutual respect that comes from understanding. Like, look, it's, I think that there's a lot of energy from the vendor and solution provider side to try to understand the practitioner and the practitioner leader. I do not know that enough practitioner leaders are working to try to understand their partner's experience, their vendor's experience and the, the and you know, like what they're working with. Um, and so it's one-sided and we all know what happens in one-sided relationships. Resentment grows. It's always the other person's fault. There is no shared accountability. That's not partnership. That's a, that's vendor transactional engagement. Right. So I, I, I mean, and that's, that's coming out of the vendor side, just feeling like, God, why are you like, what do you, why are you giving me such a hard time? Like I, I really spent literally all night putting this deck together and you, the only thing you tell me is this feels like a sales pitch. Like, do you There's know how many no hours I spent trying to be both of us together? I I want to contribute, but I also need you to contribute to this conversation too, right? And so if we want to have an open dialogue, both sides have to come to that conversation ready to actually have a dialogue and contribute to the conversation and have this sharing of information without there being a concern of like, uh uh-oh, am I going to say the wrong thing or am I giving too much information? No, we've got to all lay our cards on the table and figure out what are we playing with? Absolutely. It's it not being afraid to be wrong. Uh, I, I mean, I, I acknowledge in calls, I mean, just this morning I had a call. I'm like, well, maybe I'm wrong about this. I don't know yet, but I think it's important for you to see where we're at. So this is where we're at. Who knows? Um, and you know, I always say things like, well, just between us girlfriends, you know, or under friend DA, which my friend Lisa Holden told me the friend DA, which is I like the friend DA. Yeah, I know. But you know, like it, you, you can create, trust mechanism like you can create trust in a relationship you can do it playfully you can do it very directly it's like look i'm going to tell you this so we can build partnership but this doesn't leave this conversation those kinds of things no no one on the vendor side would ever have a job if they couldn't keep something (laughs) discreet couldn't be discreet you know like and so i feel like maybe there is still um on the practitioner side an opportunity for more of us who are leading and engaging with our, with solution provider space to show like we have a role to play in partnership as well. Cause every single vendor is going to be very open to whatever olive branch we extend any opportunity we offer to, to get real with each other. A vendor is going to clamor for that. Right. Cause they want that. Absolutely. Too. Absolutely. And Kyle, I want to take it back to something you led with. You talked about at, um, your last role, your mid-pandemic, you started to really learn something about yourself from a cultural perspective. And that sounds like it's something you've carried over to your role now at GM as you're looking at your team members and saying, you are the expert, I am going to help you. And some of the areas that we talked about where they might be able to use some directive is learning how to find their voice, learning how to present, learning how to speak, which maybe they've never been given an opportunity for in the past, but then how that can help them drive adoption within their teams by leading through influence and showing results. Would you mind sharing with the audience a little bit about your perspective? 
perspective and what you've learned in the last couple months around that? Yeah, I mean, the last couple of years, I mean, honestly, maybe even the, like the, the my whole career, I think if I look at the beginning, everyone's afraid to be wrong um, or to mess up, especially when you're doing like you're, you're presenting, you're running a meeting or you're trying to influence something and you're, you're wrong about something you're like, ah, you know, you beat yourself up over it or you're trying, you think that you, in order to really control the room, you have to be the one that's talking the whole time. You know, there are just like things that a lot, most of us don't get hands-on coaching about how to, how to influence and how to present even, and how to be an expert um, or share expertise across, you know, different uh, stakeholder audiences. Um, and so that was something that I real recognized um, I needed to work on. I'm very wordy. I love to talk. <laughs> I'm sure your team's going to have a lot of editing to do with this clip, but, um, but with my team, you know, I, I, I looked at them and they had, they have so much, there's so much raw potential and a lot of, uh, I mean, just ambition. They, they want to do more than just the grind. Um, they want to be experts and they want to grow their, their career brand, their own personal brand. So, um, look, that's half of the job as an analyst is creating a brand, creating a reputation of, of you know, expertise and trust. But um, so I'm working with them a lot. You know, I still get invited to a lot of speaking and I, I love to, but I don't have time for everything. Um, I'm, I'm selective. I like to work with people like my friends. Um, and so for, for my team now, I can say, hey, I've got this request. Let's do this together. You know, I, I want you to, I want you to present and I'll, I'll be there with you and, and I'll, you know, co-present with you, but I'm going to push you out in front. Um, and internally, Hey, you had 15 minutes for this presentation. You filled the entire 15 minutes with 30 slides. Um, I think we need to rethink our approach. Um, what if you're going to have 15 slides, you send those in advance and you open up the meeting with, hey, I sent these slides out two days ago. Did anybody have a chance to review? Do you have any questions? Because if you don't have any questions to lead us with, I'm going to go into what I think are the key points. And then you are controlling that meeting. You're creating the expectation that they reviewed the material that you worked to put together for them. And then you're going to go quickly to what matters most to you. So, you know, um, there's just a lot of coaching moments there. Um, but genuinely, the biggest thing, and this is drawing on last year, um, is being vulnerable, not being perfect. Um, I like to be polished and prepared. You know, like you, I, I asked if we could talk to see what, what do we want to discuss? Because I just... Yeah, I just like it's just my, my preference. You know? <laughs> you're not Everybody, you're not a wing it kind of person. No, no, because I also want to have respect for you and for the show. I don't want to come up and be like, sure, I'll and phone it in. I want to make sure that you know I have something to, to say to your audience that's that's valuable. For someone that is, you know, in, in, in their career, they're trying to also elevate and get to that next level. I think there is a pressure to be polished and 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 perfect, you know, and and um, I really have seen that in leadership, leading with vulnerability is hugely impactful, especially in high pressure moments. Uh, I mean, let me get let me let me get real with you. Ten years ago, 
um, I had gotten fired um, and I could not find another job. And I had um, to abandon my car because I owed too much money in parking tickets for it. We're talking $800 in parking tickets. Um, and fast forward to today, and I had no idea what I was going to do. No idea, you know, because I was, I had just, I was a blogger for HR tech. Like, what was this? You know, I didn't have a degree um, and was, didn't really know what direction I was going to go. And now look at 10 years later, here I am coming into this role at a Fortune 25 company um, leading um, talent transformation for talent acquisition transformation for at a moment where this company is ambition and, and goals are to literally change the world of, of transportation. And, um, and um, yeah, it's the moment of a lifetime. And I told my team this, you know, and I like break down crying and I'm like, I know what it's like to just want someone to give you a chance. I know what it's like to, to feel like I can do more than you are letting me do. Um, and speaking from that and telling them like, I, you know, count, like connecting that to when I say you're my experts, that's what I mean is I'm not going to assume I know best. I want you to know, to tell me what matters and, um, setting the tone like that with my team. I hope that that makes them feel more comfortable, um, they have told me <laughs> they have never worked with anyone like me before, which is kind of <laughs> a weird compliment, I think. <laughs> um, but that vulnerability, I think, as a leader helps them to feel like they don't have to be perfect either. Absolutely. I have one of my direct reports just yesterday said, Kyle, I'm exhausted. I can't even think straight. Is it okay if I take a half day on Friday? I'm like, yeah, Absolutely. But we, we talk a lot about being human and being vulnerable and having empathy. And I think everything that you just shared is, first of all, incredibly motivating and moving, but it also exhibits all of those things. And um, to be good leaders, we need to have all of those things. We need to have empathy for our people. We need to have vulnerability and, and we really need to have transparency in that process and that and lead with um, it, you know, not just be, not absolutely. just have it whenever they come to you and they've like worked up the, the uh, work themselves up to, to approach you, you lead with vulnerability. So they know, like I'm having a Kyle, I'm not going to hit this goal. And like this is a safe space. Yeah, Exactly. You know, yep. if, if my team level, if that's not a safe space, like, I don't know how we're going to get where we need to go. Transformation is not just like a word you throw around. It is a complete paradigm shift. And so they need to know, like, we're going to be in some really uncomfortable moments. We're going to have, and, you know, a lot of growth. Found an employer that allows you to lead with that, which makes it all kind of come full circle. Ooh. Honestly, and, I had no idea what I was getting to at General Motors. I, I had no idea. You're like, hmm, this is a legacy brand. What is this really going to be where like I'm going to fit in? And and mm-hmm. it is. And now look and at me, fact, so corporate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did send um, Ella text earlier this week. I was like, I think we need to create a new hand like Twitter handle for you. You're now corporate Kyle, (laughs) (laughs) which I don't mean it. You are not corporate Kyle, but (laughs) 
So let's let's switch gears a little bit because I think you know you have contributed so much to this industry. And on the vendor side, one of the big things that you championed was this idea of talent operations. And now talent operations is something that we hear commonplace. In fact, um, you had your own podcast where you spoke to talent operators around the role of talent operations. So share for our audience today, what is talent operations and why are you so passionate that it needs to be part of talent? Oh, I would love to. I mean, look, we all know that um, ideas are rampant in talent acquisition and HCM. There are so many ideas. There is so much thought leadership out there. It's enough to make your head spin. I had a full-time job just keeping up with the thought leadership that was an innovation that was out there. Um, in talent acquisition specifically, um, look, it's a delivery function. It's not in, like just a think tank, right? Um, and for with as, as rapidly as things evolve in TA, um, as frequently as they change, having um, a leader level owner of process, training and enablement, um, data and governance, um, systems and innovation, um, it's, it's critical. Um, in fact, I cannot imagine a sizable recruiting organization without some sort of operations lead. Um, because someone's got to own process. Someone's got to constantly look through and say, do we need to do this? You know, is this, is this driving a positive candidate experience? Is, is this driving our a stakeholder experience? Are these the right KPIs? Somebody needs to take my harebrained ideas and operationalize them. Um, and I mean, look, I, I stumbled upon this role and, and how it was evolving. Uh, my friend, uh, my friend, Eileen Kowalski, who has actually just joined General Motors, she and I really had, and, and uh, Nikki Cochran too, we had some conversations about how talent ops was evolving because I had no idea. I had always thought of it as kind of a, a back office administrative kind of function and, and it, its roots are there. But now you look at any major talent acquisition transformation initiative and ops is right there. You have maybe a subject matter expert on um, talent strategy or employer brand and recruitment marketing or you know, diversity and inclusion. And then right beside that subject matter expert is a SME with ops and process and tech that helps them bring it all together. So uh, yeah, it's, it's actually really cool, Debbie. I have people who are in um, recruiting roles who have like volunteered for a, a, a tech project and now they want to go full-time into ops. I have people who are have been in HRIT and who really want to get back into recruiting and into the like the cool space. Um, it's been really neat to see a groundswell of people who are getting into talent ops um, now and talent analytics and things like that. I mean, look on LinkedIn and all of these different uh, really cool companies that are, are hiring for full-time leader-level roles. The world's waking up to how important the function is. Yeah, absolutely. Bring and me. I'll prep you, shared a stat that kind of stuck out to me. Um, and it's so true. You said, you know, 95, and, and it may be a, you're a guessing at that number, but either way, 95 per of recruiting is delivery and execution. And if so much of success is on delivery and execution, there should be a role overseeing that and managing it and making sure that you're delivering Optimizing that, for right? it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, look, it's a grind, right? People that are right? listening, 
where does that sit, right? Is, is when we talk about talent operations, should this be recruiting focused or are we talking talent operations that's doing recruiting and employee? Will you see that, you know, both with your experience at GM, but also just, you know, across the industry? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to speak it just an opinion, um, not as an expert here. Um, the size of the organization is a huge factor. If you if you are like General Motors, 120,000 employees around the world, um, it's really important for our for us to have an operations lead specifically in the talent acquisition function, who is a deep domain expert in our deliver in our processes, in our delivery expectations and challenges with our delivery, um, who can then liaison with HR and workforce strategy and diversity and inclusion and, and the business itself. Um, if you look in like a medium-sized company or or even um, like a rapid growth startup, I think that having just an ops lead in your talent strategy team somewhere is good that they're gonna they're gonna stay really close to like your product and innovation team and know like how, how much are they playing headcount? Are they going to add and what kind of recruiting efforts do we like, do we need to be doing to execute on that? You know, like there, it depends on how close knit the team is. Um, for us, I would say it's, it's really important for an enterprise company to have for, especially a TA leader to have within their sphere of inf direct influence um, the ability to, optimize their process and lead innovation and lead enablement of their delivery teams with, with, you know, in partnership with other parts of the business, but you've got to have that influence within your own team. Um, yeah. I, I can't imagine trying to just follow just what HR strategy is. Um, you know, we've, we've implemented, um, you know, hundreds of customers on our technology. And mm -hmm. I will say those that are most successful are ones that have that talent operations role, somebody that can come in and really deliver a successful implementation. And I'm not talking that they have to run the project, right? But somebody who knows what are the business outcomes that we're looking for, what are our internal rollouts that are going to be most successful? How do we get people internally utilizing the product? Like that's able to really strategically think about all of those parts and kind of own that project from a tech standpoint. I, uh, I agree. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I can, I can lead an evaluation and find a system that's fit for purpose. Um, but as soon as we start digging into APIs. pull into that expertise of, okay, let's bring this operation. <laughs> internet for implementation. Yeah, absolutely. Those are just skills that I do not have and that I need partnership on because I have vision and I have a mandate to deliver on. I need somebody that can help me execute, you know? Oh, we've got so much goodness to talk about. We are, we are running on time. And there's one piece that I do not want to leave out of our conversation today, Kyle, because you mentioned it. This is an opportunity of a lifetime for you. And GM is doing something big. They are doing something bold. They have a huge mission ahead of them of 000 that they're trying to accomplish by 2035. And with that, that means that as an organization, you need a different skill set of talent. You have a very variety skill set of talent within the organization. And I've got to imagine that's what's driving some of this transformation that you have come in to establish. Share with our audience a little bit about the work that you're doing and some of the exciting things that are going to come out of the GM recruiting team to support the 000 mission. 
Yeah, I would love to. I mean, look, anybody in recruiting knows that the CEO doesn't ask their opinion when they set ambitious business strategies and goals. Um, and so it is up to us to deliver on them as like as best we can. Um, zero, 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 it's zero crashes, zero emissions, zero congestion. Um, it is part of our um, innovation strategy um, to be fully electric, um, but then also as an entire global organization to be zero emissions. We're not just talking about um, the cars, zero emissions vehicles. Um, and look, five years ago, we were recruiting mechanical engineers and, and people that were experts in building combustion engines. And, you know, um, it, it, the innovation then was different than our innovation plan now. I mean, it's not completely different. It's building on and evolving, but we have to find new talent. We need to have electrical engineers. We need to have IoT engineers. We need to have um you know design thinkers we i mean in town acquisition they needed us someone who had been an analyst and a strategist and now is running this like we need completely diversified talent pipelines um and with our, our our big campaign is everybody in we believe that our vision is relevant to everyone and so anyone can come and be a part of this um it creates a lot of inbound uh <laughs> And I mean, and every recruiter knows you can't get to every applicant. Um, my goal is actually for us, especially in our critical skills and pipelines that we have. It's a, I'm interested in this concept is a zero emissions talent pipeline. And what that means is no one slips through the cracks. Um, if anyone expresses interest in being a part of General Motors, then they can be a part of our journey. Maybe that journey is not hiring them today. Maybe it is just getting them plugged in to what's what how we're we're innovating regularly. What are what's going on with us? And so you know, getting a recruitment marketing um, operation in place that can put them into nurture campaigns and you know keep them those leads warm. So when there is a role that they are relevant for, they know what we're up to. They know know what we're doing and they can jump right back in. Um, but then it's also anybody who, who makes it through um, the screening process. Anyone who is screened if it but isn't hired has to immediately be redisposition, has to be reintegrated into our pipeline. If they're good enough, good enough for one hiring manager to say, hmm, maybe, then I'm absolutely going to get them in front of another hiring manager. And I have to do that, by the way, without adding new headcount. I have to do that with systems and tech that's going to help us to quickly identify where the next fit role is and integrate them. Um, so it's I, my my boss, Cyril George, he, he talks about it as being 10% um, um, AI, 20% systems, and 70% people in process. Um, my life is inverted it's like 70 percent <laughs> tech and ai and, and systems <laughs> and building all of this so that i can just plug my people in um but I, i'll tell you that i think the the big thing that's going to help this succeed is that it's connected to our most strategic business objectives that zero 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 concept that means anyone in the hr leadership team anyone in the executive leadership team if i just say zero emissions talent pipeline they're immediately going to think about, oh, okay, I understand what, where he's going with this. I think I understand what this means. Um, it's a lot easier to get buy-in and help me with changing the way that we operate, the way that we um, um, hire, the way that we recruit. Absolutely. And we, we talk about all the time that as TA leaders, we need to tie 
you know, our objectives, our initiatives to the CEOs. And I love the creative way in which you've done it. It is clever. It is catchy. I cannot wait for a year from now to watch maybe even two years, right? Watch some of the success come out of it. But as we've talked about, this isn't a 12 month, 24 month strategy. You're thinking as this is the business that needs to achieve this by 2035. We need to create systems and process and people that are going to achieve that long-term goal, which is, I think, what's going to set you up for true success. I hope so. I mean, look, because it's also something that needs to be delivered tomorrow. <laughs> you got to do both, right? You no, <laughs> I, I do. <laughs> but, you know, I think, uh, I mean, look, we're, we're all sharing best practices in the space. It is competitive, but we can, we can all grow together. Um, my, my real goal is pointing this concept and my, my talent brand strategy at early careers. If we're thinking about 2035, that's 14 years away. So your sons could very well be a part of what I'm trying to accomplish at General Motors, what General Motors is trying to accomplish. And so getting really plugged into what this, this new generation of talent cares about, um, understanding where they engage and how, um, all of that, I think is going to start to future proof. The zero missions concept is more about candidate concierge, like, you know, candidate experience and zero waste, zero congestion in the candidate process. Um, really the brand sounds like you need to go ahead and migrate Minecraft into (laughs) advertise. (laughs) If you figure out how to use Minecraft, then you've got my boys. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Well, I was watching Rick and Morty last night on, I think it was on, on YouTube TV. And, you know, I'm thinking, Oh, should I put an ad on Rick and Morty? (laughs) You know? (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, I mean, maybe Maybe not my boys, but I know that you and Brian want to start a family. Isn't it crazy to think that your kids may not ever drive? Yes. Like they may not even. What will it look like when we need to learn to drive electric vehicles and self-driving cars? It will be a totally different experience. And that makes me very excited. Also blows my mind. It is it is a wild future. And you guys are on the forefront of it. And we talked about this zero, zero, zero for GM is way bigger than just cars. It's yeah. which I so didn't we're, know. Right? Yeah, we're building a new land, lunar rover. We're co-developing the new lunar rover with Boeing. Uh, we're building a fully electric locomotive. Uh, I mean, genuinely, it, when I say this is an opportunity of a lifetime, it's not just the recruiting work. It is General Motors making a complete, a total impact on the world. It's nuts. Um, not at all. Like, I mean, I'm just, yeah. So Kyle, to wrap us up, we've shared a lot today. We've shared about how your expertise in the analyst and vendor has really kind of shaped the way that you are tackling this project at GM. We've talked about leadership and how we need to lead with empathy and really set the stage for um, those candid conversations. We've talked about partnership with the vendors and how key that is to, again, have that transparency, have that partnership. We're in this marriage together. Let's make things work together. And we've talked about some of the fun work that you guys are doing and how you're structuring things at Jam to actually execute on it. If you were to leave our listeners with one piece of advice of where to start on their own journey to yes, what would that be? I would say achieve through others. Um, look, I mean, there is, there is so much that's happening in talent acquisition right now. I think that we will look at this decade 
of innovation and all point back and say, this was a turning point for me. Give everyone that opportunity to have this too. This is not my opportunity. I mean, this is an opportunity of a lifetime for me, but we've just talked about, like, I tell my team, I need you. I want you to succeed. Um, I would say, look at how you can bring others along for this journey with you. Um, and that yeah, your success will be their success. Goal. This is a collective, right? Yeah, it is. I, there, I mean, on, no one person can accomplish this and you should be pushing everyone out into the limelight. You should be pushing everyone to take on that, that project that will help them stretch. Um, I think that listening really closely to the people who are working up for you um, and, and focusing on enabling them is going to, I mean, that's the only way we're going to get where we need to go, honestly. Kyle, thank you so much. It's been such a joy chatting with you. And for those of you that are listening, if you want to join us on this journey of yes, follow us on Spotify or wherever you're listening to our podcast. Join us at thejoypipeline.com. Kyle, as always, thank you so much. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'll look forward to the next episode. Absolutely. Absolutely.